0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. And I'm thankful. Boy, I love this weather. Uh, we host a count meeting every year in Greer, South Carolina. Uh, this will be our 74th meeting. Now, I've not been there that long, but I've been there 25 years, but we would love to have this weather. Usually when we have our camp meeting, it's 95, 107, sawdust, and Brother South Carolina's got mosquitoes big enough to put a saddle on and ride them babies. But this is wonderful, and I'm glad to be under the tent tonight. First Samuel chapter 17, didn't you enjoy the inspirations tonight? I'm sorry, the perspirations tonight. Oh, I love these boys. They done a great job. George, you singing that bass, son. Rocking it, man, I tell you. It's wonderful. My friend from Mountain City, Tennessee, Brother Leonard Fletcher, wrote that song for the inspiration several years ago. And I'm glad to announce tonight that God's word still stands. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word shall never pass away. Man, I felt a preaching spell coming on. Good to be here. And I love that song about God's mercy. And I love you, Pastor. I'd want to be a member here just so somebody would remember my birthday. But really, my family, the church I pastor, they can never forget my birthday because I'd start announcing it in January. It's July the 22nd, but I start about January. Uh, I I take literally, I take literally that verse in the Bible, you have not because you beg not. I mean, ask not. And the Lord is good. Uh, My wife asked me a while ago, she said, how's the meeting going? I said, Mom, you know they don't want you to preach long when they put you in a tent and there's no lights So that is a subliminal message. Hey, dummy, start, just quit when it gets dark. But we're glad to have all these folks in their cars. If we need it, turn your headlights on. Hawk if you love Jesus. They're out there smoking. God bless every one of you. Oh, my. Oh, boy, God is good. I hope it's cigarettes. Say amen right there. I forgot we're on the radio, but uh, you might as well laugh. Laughter's good. We had this lady in our church one time. She was the meanest person, always frowning, getting on everybody. I told a funny joke one morning, and she come and she said, "Pastor, I don't see one thing funny." <laughs> I said, "When I look at you, I don't either." <laughs> Amen. Uh, Billy Kelly told a joke one time, and this lady got mad at him, and she said, Brother Kelly, I don't like for preachers to be funny. She said, in fact, if, if you was my husband, I'd probably feed you poison. He said, honey, if I was married to you, I'd eat it, praise <laughs> God. <laughs> First Samuel chapter number 17, if you save, raise your right hand. If you know it, raise your left hand. If you're glad about it, raise both of them. Turn to somebody and say you look better with your mask on. Amen. First Samuel, brother, did I make you mad or something? Oh, okay. You want to take all of them? That's fine if you, sure. Take them all. You want the flowers? I love that old boy right there. He's a good one. Amen. I feel good in my soul. I feel like I'm among family and friends. And a lot of our friends that were here last year, some of them are not here tonight, but they're not backslid. They're at the tent meeting, but they got the best seat in the house. They're on God's cheering line, telling us to keep on going. Heaven will be worth it all. Praise God. I feel a shout coming on. Amen. First Samuel chapter number 17. We'll break in the passage in verse number 29. For Samuel chapter 17, verse 29, and David said, what have I now done? And I want you to say this phrase out loud with me, real good and loud. Is there not a cause? Say that with me again. Is there not a cause? Watch what he does in verse 30. And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. In other words, he turned to a person on his right, he turned to a person on his left, he talked to the person in front, he talked to the person behind, and he said the same thing. Let's say it together. Is there not a cause? Watch what happens now in verse number 31. And when the words Uh, And when the words were heard, which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Talking about the giant. Let no man's heart fail because of him. I feel like I need to tell the church tonight at Victory. I feel like I need to tell the saints of God that are listening by radio and social media. I feel like I need to tell the body of Christ all over the world. Don't let our hearts fail because of the times, because of the iniquity, because of the enemies. We are on the winning side. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. I will not read the rest of it because you're very aware how the story ends. The giant is defeated and David is not a victim, but he is a victor. Last night we preached about John the Baptist. How he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He was pointing men to the Lamb of God who could do something about their sin. Tonight I want to preach on David and he lives his voice again. But he lives his voice as the voice of challenge. He lives his voice to his fellow soldiers. He lifts his voice to his fellow comrades. He lifts his voice of challenge to his friends and to his family. That even though they're in a battle, even though they are facing the odds, even though they are going through uncharted waters, do not despair, do not be afraid, do not give up, But press on, fight on, we're on the winning side, and this was his rallying cry, is there not a cause? I believe tonight as a preacher or an evangelist that I've been called by God like every preacher to preach the gospel. And to give the gospel to a lost and a dying world that there is a balm in Gilead and there is a sympathizing Savior. But I believe tonight I'm also called to go to the churches and go to the preachers and go to the family of God and rally the troops and encourage the troops and lift our voice of challenge. I know we're in the last day. I know that sin is at an all-time high. I know that America is more anti-God and anti-church and anti-Christian and anti-Bible than it's ever been. But ladies and gentlemen, I have read the back of the book. I have read the last chapter. The devil is not going to win. Sin is not going to win. Iniquity is not going to win. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And David goes down in the battle. There is a giant and he is bigger than David. He is more wise than David. He is better equipped than David. And it looks like the odds are against him. His fellow soldiers are afraid. Even King Saul is afraid and intimidated. And David wades right into that battle, about 17 years old, and he rallies the troops and says, don't be dismayed. Don't be afraid. There is a cause. And I want to remind every child of God under this tent tonight, the battle is the Lord's and so is the victory. I know you're not supposed to repeat yourself, but I enjoyed that so much, I'm going to say that again. The battle is the Lord's and so is the victory. In fact, I enjoyed that so much, I'm going to say it again on this side. The battle is the Lord's and so is the victory. And I want us to look at what David said tonight as the rallying cry. Is there not a cause? Or what is the reason tonight for you and I not to give up, not to be afraid, not to be intimidated, but to stand for God in this day in which we live? Well, as I surveyed the property, I found four particular causes, four particular reasons why David said, come on now, don't quit, don't be afraid, don't give up, let's rally the troops because there is a cause. Now, I need you to help me tonight because if you will, you will never forget these causes. Now, number one, everybody hold up a finger just like this. And point up to the sky. Cause number one, I call it, there is his cause. Say that with me. There is his cause. You say, preacher, who in the his you talking about? I'm talking about our God, our shepherd, our king, our Lord, our conqueror, our savior, our rock, our light, our shield, our defender, the master of our life. It's for the honor. It's for the glory of our God that we wade into the battle. It's for the glory and honor of our God that we do not quit. It's for the glory and honor of our God that we stand for God in the midst of an evil day. As young David approaches this battlefield, he hears the enemy before he sees the enemy. Boy, let me say that again. He hears the enemy before he sees the enemy because as big as his spear is, as big as his body is, as big as his hands and feet were, his mouth was the biggest thing about him. I've just described somebody's mother-in-law. Can I get a witness in the church? I mean, brother, he heard the enemy before he ever saw it. Because, Pastor, that enemy is down there flapping that jaw, burning up that tongue baron, lifting his voice. And David said he's defying the armies, not of Saul, not of the sons of Jesse, but he is defiling the armies of the living God. And David walks up there and says, somebody needs to shut that giant up He's bad-mouthing our Savior. He's bad-mouthing our King. He's bad-mouthing our God. He's profaning God's name. He's taken the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And for God's cause and God's glory and God's honor, somebody needs to step up to the plate and wait in the battle and stand for God when they are defying the armies of the living God. I don't know how you feel about it. But Jesus means all the world to me. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. He is my Redeemer. And I don't appreciate anybody cursing, swearing, profaning, lampooning that name that is above every name. How in the world can you be a person that would breathe in God's air? And by the way, the Bible said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. How can you breathe in God's air and spit it back in his face in profanity and blasphemy? Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, he is not the blunt end of a dirty joke. He is not a swear word. He is not a byword. He is not a cuss word. He is not a profane word. And I'm going to tell you something else. He ain't the old man upstairs. I won't tell you who he is tonight. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the high potentate of heaven. He's sovereign. He's eternal. He's faithful. He's awesome. He's righteous. He's just. He's eternal. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. He saved our soul. He changed our life. He wrote our name in heaven. He's met our needs. He stilled our storms. He answered our prayer. He rose back the troubled seas of our life. And may I remind you tonight in the tent that he's worthy of our service. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our faithfulness. There is a cause tonight and it's his cause. Can I remind you, it's God's word that I'm preaching. It's God's house that I'm in. It's God's people that's my family. It's God's some that I'm lifting. There is a cause. It is his cause for the glory of God and the honor of God because he's worthy. Don't quit. Don't be afraid. Wade into the battle. Run of the troops. There is a cause. A good cause. His cause for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. I said to a dear man of God one time, I said, sir, I love you. and I want to do this for you. And he said, son, I appreciate you loving me. And I appreciate and want you to do this for me. He said, but son, I want you to do it. I want you to do it for God. I want you to go to church for God. I want you to read your Bible for God. I want you to give your money for God. I want you to live your life for God. Oh, can I ask you, is there anybody on this tent tonight? You'd be nothing if it wasn't for God You'd still be lost and on your way to hell if it wasn't for God. I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't seeking God. God was the furthest thing from my mind. But I'm glad when I wasn't seeking him, he was seeking for me. And when I couldn't go to where he was, whoop, he came to where I was. He's worthy tonight. He's awesome tonight. As Pop Spears said in the Red Book, he's the dearest friend I ever had. I thank God for my father and my mother and my family and my wife and my children and my grandchildren and my grandchildren and my grandchildren and my grandchildren and my grandchildren. I mean to tell you the only thing worth having a son-in-law for is grandchildren. I thank God for my friends, some of the best friends I've ever had in my life. Is under this tent tonight. But I want to tell you, I'm thankful for my God my Lord, my Savior, I can't quit on him. You can't quit on him. Hey, he didn't quit on you. Oh, when sin was high and where sin had abounded, grace did much more abound. Why, he didn't quit on you when he gave his only begotten son. He didn't quit on you when he turned his back on Jesus and he died for our sins. He didn't turn his back on you at that old-fashioned altar prayer when you said, oh God, save my soul and change my life he's never failed you he's never forgotten you he's never forsook you he's never let you down he's the best friend you got he's your anchor in the time of storm he's your song in the night he's your provider he's your shepherd he's your king he's your friend he's your rock he's your strong tower he is your refuge my soul I feel like preaching tonight I'm telling you brother there is a cause. And it's his cause. It's his cause pulling up to him tonight. It's his cause. Turn to somebody and say, I'm in it for him. His cause. There is a cause. As I surveyed the battlefield, Pastor, I see a second cause. And you get your finger ready. Now, there's his cause. And I want you to take your finger and I want you to point it to somebody beside of you. Lady, this is your opportunity. What you've been wanting to do so bad all day, you can't stand. Fire away, sweetheart. Point to somebody beside of you. Point to somebody beside of you right now and say, their cause. Their cause. Their cause. Turn around and point to somebody behind you. Their cause. Look at somebody in front of you and say, their cause. Their cause. You say, who are the there? The Christians, our comrades, our fellow soldiers. Pastor Jeremy, as David, walks down in that battlefield, he sees his hero. He sees the king of the land, a man by the name of Saul that the Bible said stands head and shoulders above everybody. And he sees him cowering in a corner. He sees the look of fear. He sees the look of dismay. He sees the look of of hopelessness in the eyes of this king. He doesn't see courage. He doesn't see boldness. He doesn't see assurance. He doesn't see faith. He sees fear and confusion and bewilderment in the eyes of his king. He looks over there not only at his fellow uh, believers and fellow soldiers, but he looks at his brothers, his older brothers, well experienced soldiers. They don't have the look of faith. They don't have the look of hope. They don't have the look of courage and confidence. Tears is in their eyes. Fear is in their eyes. There's a trembling in their voice. He's never seen them this discouraged. He's never seen them this dismayed. He's never seen them this down and out. David looks around and he says, I got to do something. There is a cause and it's their cause. My king needs me. My nation needs me. My fellow believers need me. My brothers, my family, my daddy needs me. The children that God's gonna give me needs me. Yes, there is a cause, and it's their cause, the cause of our fellow man. Can I say it tonight? Victory Baptist Church needs you. Pastor Corbinat needs you. His family needs you. The deacons need you. The Sunday school teachers need you. The nursery workers are praying for you. I'm telling you tonight, there is a cause. The body of Christ, the family of God, our fellow believers, rally the troops, rally the troops. We're on the winning side. I've read the last chapter. Don't be discouraged, children. We're on the last leg of the journey. Let me say this. Very few pastors that I know of are as positive as Brother Jeremy if I ever get sick, there are some friends of mine, I'm not calling. I've got some friends of mine, if I called them right now and said, Dave McCoy, I'm sick, he'll say, I want get guitars. You know why I know? I got sick one time. Sick unto death. Now, bless God, I've heard all your hospital stories. You're gonna listen to mine. I was laying up there in that hospital I'm the only man in the world that had a hundred and four fever and like to froze to death. Because that thing they put on me called a hospital gown. Christians ought not to dress like that in private, much less public. And I found this out. I don't know where they got all their medical terms from, but I found out where they got that I found out where they got that I see you from. Fetch, so you put one of them gowns on and turn around, somebody's gonna go I see you. I was begging them nurses, don't come to my church. Please don't come to my church. You know way too much about me. Man, I'm laying up there in an the emergency room. My gut's on fire. They're about to take a foot of my colon out. Of course, when you got 12,000 feet of it, you can spare a little bit. And Man, my kids is crying. My wife's are crying. My mama's crying. I'm sick. I'm throwing up. Got a fever. And man, in comes Dave McCoy, one of my local pastors, a dear man of God. And I started crying. I said, oh, Dave, come in. Oh, Dave, good to see you, buddy. Come on in. I have prayer. He said, for I pray if you die, can I have have your guitar collection. That's a real friend. I've got some friends of mine, if I called them tonight and said, I'm sick, they'd say, oh God, we're gonna call hawk day. <laughs> I got some friends of mine, they'll say, am I in your will? No, nobody is, because me and my wife are gonna spend it all, leave our kids with nothing. We started with nothing, it won't hurt them to start with nothing. Say Amen. But if I get sick, I'm calling Brother Jeremy. I'm gonna call his cell phone. I got it on my speed dial. Cause here's what I'm gonna hear: Praise God, brother, you're gonna be all right. You're gonna live to be four hundred, and I'm gonna preach your funeral. That is a positive man. I told him one time. I said, Brother Jeremy, I can't believe you still have me. I'm getting old. He said, No, brother, you're getting mature. <laughs> oh, I love that positive attitude. But I mean to tell you, most pastors across America tonight, Brother Pastor, in the last 14 months, they've done everything they know to do to keep their churches open. They've done everything they know to do to please people and keep something going. And their members have treated them worse than the government. I mean, their members have been flapping them jaws. And, he didn't do this. And he did all hush. Can I? Don't make me get mean now. Preachers are so discouraged. And I'm telling you, we have an administration that's more anti-God and Bible and religious liberty and church that we ever had. And I'm telling you, brother, people are discouraged. Daddies are discouraged. Moms, families, preachers, pastors, young people. I'm telling you, since the election, I've never seen such fear and anxiety and just play it all out dismay come across the people of God's face. I hear it. I feel it. I see it. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't like what's going on in this country. I'm a red-blooded American. I don't kneel for the flag. I kneel at the cross and stand for the flag. I understand the pressure. I understand the problem. I understand the attitude. But I need to tell you, wait on in the battle tonight. The Trumpets about to sound, Jesus about to step out on the other side of the sunny banks of sweet deliverance. Your family needs you tonight. The church needs you tonight. Your community needs you tonight. There is a cause and it's their cause. The body of Christ needs us to be encouraged and press on for the glory of God. Let me read you something I wrote the other day. I love history. It was June the 1st, 1813. A young Navy captain by the name of James Lawrence at the age of 31 years old was commanding the USS Chesapeake. And as he was sailing through the Boston Harbor, he encountered a British blockade ship. A battle ensued. His vessel was attacked. And he lay mortally wounded, dying in the arms of his men. But before he died, with his last ebbing strength, he lifted up his voice and said, don't give up the ship. Don't give up the ship. Don't give up the ship. Brother, that permeated not only the hearts of those soldiers, but they began to cry. Don't give up the ship. Don't give up the ship. And hundreds of years later, Did you know that is still a rallying cry for the United States Navy? Don't give up the ship. Don't give up the ship. In fact, there is a flag in the Naval Museum called the Perry flag. He had a a fellow captain of another vessel by the name of Oliver Perry. And he was so impressed with them words, don't give up the ship. That he had a big blue flag with big white letters sewn on it and he flew it on his mast right beside of old glory. Don't give up the ship. Don't give up the ship. Don't give up the ship. Honey, my name ain't Lawrence. My name ain't Perry and I don't have a ship, but my name is Joe and I got a Bible and I want to tell the church at victory. Don't give up the ship. Don't give up the ship. Don't give up the ship. Don't give up your Bible. Don't give up your gospel singing. Don't give up your soul winning. Don't give up your praying. Don't give up your witnessing. Don't give up the ship. We may get battered. The sails may get torn. And the devil may shoot holes in us. But praise God this ship ain't like the Titanic. This is unsinkable. And we're on the winning side. Hey, don't give up the ship, church. Don't give up the battle. Don't give up the fight a cause and it's their cause turn to somebody beside you tonight and say I need you I need you I need you you need me you need me thank God we go to church together we pray together we cry together we weep together we stand together and because we're Baptists, sometimes we fight together but praise God the trumpet's gonna sound and we're going home together don't give up the ship. There is a cause. All right, help me tonight. There is His cause. Now, look tonight. Point to someone. There is their cause. But quickly, number three tonight. And here's where I hope the Lord will melt our hearts. Point with me now to yourself. My cause. Say that with me. My cause. Yeah, there is His cause. Yes, there is their cause. Oh, but it's my cause. Brother Jeremy David is standing there and he looks around and he sees the king and he hears what that giant is saying. But, brother, something begins to stir in his soul and it's his own conscience, it's his own calling. It's his own heart and something down on the inside begins to burn something down on the inside begins to turn and David comes to this conclusion I can't sit still I can't be quiet I cannot stand idly by and watch this giant Lampoon and assault and destroy my father and destroy my friends and destroy my nation if it costs me my life. I know that guy's loud mouth. I know he's got more equipment. I know he's better experienced. I know I'm undermanned, undergunned, under equipped. But I'll tell you, I've had enough of this. I will not be quiet. I will not be silent. I will not stand on the sidelines. David said, There is a cause, and that cause is my own calling. That cause is my own conscience. I have people ask me this all the time. Brother Joe, how do you go like you go? What keeps you going? Why do you do it? well that's several reasons but I'll tell you this one I got a case of the Cain Heppets God started a fire burning in my soul and I want to serve notice on the devil I hope he's somewhere down on 10th street in the phone booth dialing 911 but just in case he's listening the flame has flickered but the fire has never gone out I have never gotten over what God did for me. I should have went to hell on Driftwood Street. I should have went to hell from frog level. Lost without God forever. But he reached further down than I could reach up. And he saved my soul. Wrote my name in heaven. The amen and hell moved out, and 40 acres of heaven moved in and I got a fire burning I got a wheel turning I can't shut up I can't sit down I can't stand utterly by my heart my calling my conscience I've got to do what I've got to do last night I believe we had some people here from South Boston Virginia are they still here tonight? One night was all they could take. God bless them. South Boston. You say, where is South Boston, Virginia? It's 48 minutes east of Danville on Highway 58. You say, well, what's so special about South Boston? July the 22nd. Well, that day shall live in infamy. July the 22nd, 1962. At 9.30 in the morning. My daddy was preaching at the Revelation Baptist Church on Highway 360 in South Boston, Virginia, when his wife had the most beautiful, mean baby boy. Mama woke daddy up about 6 o'clock that morning and said, JB, it's time. And my dad, like most rednecks, live with a woman that way for nine months, and she says it's time, and he goes, Time for what? She said, The baby's coming. He said, Oh, Lord Janet, that baby can't come today. I promised Pastor Rudolph Jacob at the Revelation Baptist Church, I'd preach for him today, and he's out of town. She said, I don't care if you go preach for Billy Graham. Drop me off by the hospital. I got to have a baby. Well, you're talking about a godly woman, son. Then he dropped her off at the hospital at seven, rode down and preached. And that morning, four precious souls got saved. When he got through preaching, he ran back up to Danville. Well, he drove back up to Danville to the hospital. And as he went in, the doctor was waiting on him. And he said, man, where you been? Your wife is near death. She's hemorrhaging. She's got to have surgery. Sign these papers. You just get a hold of God, boy. Pray that God and me can save her life. And he forgot to ask about the baby. And and that was in them days before they took pictures of your stomach. and, And you didn't know what was in there. You couldn't give them back at that day. You couldn't trade it in for another model in that day. Boy he fell on his knees and said something like this oh god My wife's a dying, and I got a baby somewhere up here in this hospital. Lord, if it would please you, raise her up. I need you to help me, God. She's got to help me raise that boy. God, I can't cook. I can't wash clothes. God, I can't do it without you. Lord, heal my wife and take care of my baby. About three hours, they rolled my mama by him, and she'd already come out from under the anesthesia, and she looked up at my daddy, and she said, I'm fine. And the baby's fine. Daddy said, what is it? She said, it's a little preacher boy. That may not be doing nothing to you, but I'm about to run on that point. South Boston, Virginia was where my daddy was preaching the day I was born. By the way, I preached in that same church on my 30th birthday and them same four people were there. 30 years later, they had a spiritual birthday I had a physical birthday. They got saved, and I got recapped. Amen. But let me tell you what South Boston, Virginia, is really famous for. There were three Baptist preachers that refused infant baptism. There were three Baptist preachers that preached the gospel on a regenerated membership. How you must have a personal experience with Jesus Christ to be a part of the church, all oh, the religious people in Boston. They took them three Baptist preachers in front of the courthouse of Halifax County, Virginia. They wouldn't do this in Halifax County, North Carolina. It's way too spiritual. But Halifax County, Virginia. And they horsewhipped almost to death them three little Baptist preachers down the street from the courthouse was a little lawyer, a little short lawyer by the name of Patrick Henry who had been born again, who had been saved by God's grace who knew the word of God, and he watched those three Baptist preachers get beat to a pulp, and he stood and he made a declaration that if you'll study your US history book, it's gone down in the annals of history, where that little lawyer, looking at them three Baptist preachers being beat to a pulp, jumped up and said, as for me, give me liberty, or give me death, and a fire was started. You remember the Halifax Resolves, amen. Praise God, we're famous, we're famous. I'm going to them Yankees in Philadelphia ain't got nothing on us, we were mad to fight before they were, say amen. But I thought about the sacrifice of our forefathers. You know what they said? I can't stand by and watch this happen. As for me, give me liberty or give me death. I wonder if there's anybody under this tabernacle tonight. You're so saved and born again and heaven bound and hell proof and you love Jesus so much and you love the word of God so much and you're so much in love with Jesus. Brother, you can't keep quiet. You can't sit down. You've got to testify. You've got to witness. You've got to stand for God. you got to go to church even in the midst of a pandemic because there's a fire burning in your soul. I can't sin against my own conscience. I can't sin against my own call. You listen to me. I wasn't created to serve myself. I wasn't made to float my own boat. I wasn't made to rule over my own life. God created me, and God saved me for one purpose, and that's to lift my voice and count for God and serve the Lord. I was born to serve the Lord. are So glad tonight there is a cause and it's my cause my heart, my conscience my soul it's driving me like a madman stand up for Jesus you soldiers of the cross lift high his royal banner it must not suffer loss help me tonight now there is point up his cause if that was the only one how many believe that's good enough his cause. Now, point to somebody beside of you, in front of their cause. Their cause. Now, point to your heart tonight. There is my cause. My cause. But as I surveyed the battlefield, I saw cause number four. Just do like this. You ready? Everybody do just like this. And I call it the cause. The cause. Say that with me. The cause you realize what's at stake here? It's more than Saul. It's more than the sons of Jesse. It's more than David. It's more than the armies of Israel. By the way, if you hate the Jews and you hate Israel and you stand against them, or you stand with that low-down outfit that stands against them, you're crippled too high for crutches. God said I'll bless them that bless thee I'll curse them that curse thee and if America wants to sign her death warrant tonight you forsake the Jew go against, if you don't believe it ask Hitler, ask Mussolini, ask Nero ask all the rest of them brother they are God's chosen people and brother we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem because you realize what God gave us from that little nation God gave us the law But God did something else. He gave us the Lord. God used that little nation physically to bring the Messiah into this world. Why do you think the devil tried so hard in the Old Testament to destroy Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Jesse and Joseph? And the seed of Israel, you know why? Because the devil remembered Genesis 3.15 that through that little seed line was gonna come a redeemer, an emancipator and they're gonna get in a fight and the devil's crowd is gonna jump on him. And the devil's crowd is gonna bruise his heel. But don't give up the ship because after the devil bruised his heel, his seed shall arise and he's gonna bruise his head. I wonder how many would agree that in the body of Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ, head busting runs in our family. And you know why he's trying to destroy the nation of Israel. He wants the Messiah not to come the Emancipator, the Redeemer of the world. And can I say, Pastor, in this text, oh, Israel benefited, Saul benefited, David benefited, his brethren benefited, the sons of Jacob and Jesse benefited. Oh, but the whole world benefited. The whole world benefited. I said a whole world benefited because the victory was won in the battle. Lord have mercy. I got so much preach. If I got me a flashlight, will you let me preach the dark? Oh, that reminds me of another David, the root of David, the offspring of David, the land of the tribe of Judah that didn't take a sling and one stone but he took a cross, hallelujah, and three rusty nails and buddy, he done work, he done business on a hill far away and he defeated the devil and he won the victory and he won the battle. Hallelujah. There is a cause. It is the cause. You say, what is the cause? The salvation of lost men and women and boys and girls. Can I tell you tonight, the world is a better place to live because of the church of the living God. A friend of mine the other day took me
1: to a suit store you know, sometimes that's fun. And sometimes that's depressing.
0: When I go in a suit store, I go to the size I used to wear when I was 17.
1: Don't you laugh. You can't never tell. One of these days a miracle might take place and one of them 34s may fit me again.
0: I was so skinny them days. If I stuck my tongue out sideways, I looked like a zipper. It got to raining at Greer Camp Meeting one time, and Brother Billy said, Joe, get under that clothesline, honey, so you don't get wet.
1: You say, What size do you wear now? It's like McDonald's and Wendy's and Chick fil A. Value size. Well, glory there was this lady there at the suit store. And she looked at me and she said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a preacher. She said, what's that? I said, I preach the Bible. She said, what's that? I said, I tell people how to get saved. She said, what's that? I said, well,
0: I just tell people that Jesus, oh, oh, Jesus. She said, don't say that around me. I don't believe in Jesus. She said, I'm from a religion that hates the name of Jesus. I said, well, I'm sorry. I love the name of Jesus. And I said, I'm going you something, sweetheart. You may hate the name of Jesus, but he don't hate you. And she told me what kind of religion she was. And I said, well, ma'am, I, I got the best kind. I got old time blood washed. Hallelujah, Mount Calvary, Holy Ghost salvation. And she looked at me and she said, oh, it's all the same. All religions are the same. I said, oh, no, ma'am, they're not. She said, There's no difference between my religion and yours. I said, Yes, there is. She said, You just give me one. I said, I'd be glad to. I said, You know what your religion does? You train your sons and daughters to hate people. And you strap bombs on them. And you send them to shopping malls and to mosques and churches and synagogues and detonate those bombs and it kills them and innocent people. That's what your religion does. So. Let me tell you what mine does. Jesus loves the little children. I said we teach them about Jesus and we get them saved and we don't put bombs in their hand. We put Bibles in their hand and we send them all over the world not bringing destruction and despair but hope and joy and salvation. You hear me tonight? There is a difference. There's no God like our God. There's no Savior like our Savior. There's no Redeemer like our Redeemer. I'm just proud of him tonight. I'm glad I'm on the winning side and winning souls to Jesus. There is
1: a cause. Ronald Krappitz needs you tonight. Halifax County needs you tonight. The most important thing going on in Halifax County is what's going on in the four walls or under the... Amen. You got the greatest message, you got the greatest story, you got the greatest song. Aren't you tired of seeing what drugs has done to your city? Aren't you tired
0: of seeing what sin's done in your neighborhoods and in the lives of your family? You ask these men tonight and ladies that are in law enforcement, they see the worst of the worst. They could give you story after story that would make your toenails turn upside down. And I don't know about you tonight, but I'm tired of teenage suicide. I'm tired of the drunk drivers. I'm tired of the unbridled crime. I'm tired of the young man laying in his vomit with needle tracks in his arm, hanging by his neck by a rope in his garage. I'm tired of that. There's a better way to live. How many agree with me tonight? There's a better way to live and a better way to die. There is a cause. There is a cause. And the salvation of Ronald graphets North Carolina, and Halifax County, North Carolina, and the world is worth the cause. Let's make the message clear and plain. Christ received its sin for men. And Jesus won the victory at Calvary. And there is a cause. In closing tonight, let me read you something else I wrote the other day, and it'll probably be published before long. I was doing some research. I'm a history buff. June the 18th, now there's probably people in this room that might, and I'm not looking in any direction, I said might, remember this. It was June the 18th, 1940. At 3.49 in the afternoon, pastor for 36 minutes, Winston Churchill stood before the House of Common and literally on the stage of time in one of the darkest days in the history of modern civilization, and as he tries to rally the morale of his nation and his troops and his people, as he's trying to encourage them in a long,
1: hard-fought war, when referring to their commitment and their sacrifice, Winston Churchill makes this statement.
0: He said, if we fail in our task, he's talking about winning World War II, He said, if we fail in our task, then the whole world, including the United States and including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a dark age like the world has never known. And as he went off the air, here was his rallying cry, he said, let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties Let's so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its Commonwealth were to last another thousand years, men will look back and
1: say, "This was their finest hour." This was
0: their finest hour. You know how that turned out. We won the victory. We're speaking English today because we won the victory. I'm preaching outside unmolested because of the victories that's been won. And We look back at World War II and the sacrifice of our forefathers and that's why they're called the greatest generation. That was their finest hour. Let me apply this real quickly. We're going to have prayer. I didn't ask for this pandemic. Why, if you'd have told me in January of 220 we would face what we'd face, I'd say you are smoking something. I mean, we started using terms I had never heard Corona.
1: I had never heard of Corona. Now, some of you had, but it wasn't a bad cold. You know about it, don't you, sister? COVID-19, who ever heard of such? Who ever thought you'd go to the bank with a mask on? Whoever thought we'd go to church and not speak
0: to one another? I got better one than that. Who ever thought you'd go to the Baptist church and they wouldn't pass the chicken buckets? Social distancing. I never heard of that. I knew I didn't want to go to Julie's mother's house, but I didn't know what to call it. So for 14 months, woo, I've been social distancing from her. I never dreamed any of this. Uh, by the way, Dr. Howes and Dr. Malone and Lee Robertson and Al Smith and uh, Doc Sattler and Oliver Green, they didn't write no books on how to pastor a
1: church in the pandemic. Rudolph Evans didn't leave a manual for us. Gordon Price didn't leave a manual for us. My daddy didn't say, now boy, when you get to a pandemic, we are in waters we've never been in. The church has never faced such a challenge. Pastor, I want you to come on up here beside him and get ready. The church has never faced this kind of challenge. I remember the third week into that shutdown, one of my friends called me and said, Joe, what
0: are you doing? And brother, before I realized it, I said, I'll tell you what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to figure out how to keep a church going and the door shut. Man, I'm used to traveling 48 weeks a year. Julie and I have been married 37 years and for 36 of it, I've been gone 48 weeks of a year. That's the secret to a long
1: marriage. Don't go home. I'm sitting at the house. Our buses ain't running. Our Sunday school classes are empty. Our choir loft is empty.
0: Our churches are shuttered. And I ride by the liquor store and they're lined out the wall. I found out what's essential to America the abortion clinic, the tattoo parlor, and the liquor store.
1: We've never been here before. We're having to do the best we can to follow God. But you know what I hope? I hope a hundred years from now, when you're preaching my funeral a hundred years from now, wouldn't it be wonderful? (laughs) Come on to the instruments. About to get me on preaching. Wouldn't it be wonderful If a hundred years from now, a Christian historian writes about March the 10th, 2020 and beyond,
0: the churches had never faced this, the preachers had never faced this, the body of Christ had never faced this,
1: victory had never faced this, but they rallied to the challenge and they stepped up to the plate
0: Brother Mike, and Brother Jeremy, and Brother Joe, and Brother Bill, and Brother Sam stood for God in a dark age. Wouldn't it be wonderful if they would write about the church of 2020 and 21,
1: this was their finest hour. You know what made that their finest hour? They were willing to commit and pray and dedicate. And I wonder how many under this tent tonight as we stand. You're
0: willing to leave your seat and stand in front of this pulpit, stand next to your pastor, line up across this front and say like Patrick Henry, what course others take, I do not know. But ask for me, I'm going to be faithful to God. I'm going to witness to the laws. I'm going to raise my children right. I'm going to love God. I'm going to love His Word as I want this to be my finest hour. Oh, I don't want to fail God in this day of trouble. I want to stand for Him. There is a cause. There is a cause. I'm trying to rally the troops tonight, preacher. There is a cause.